Happy Monday. Still dealing with a little bit of that Super Bowl hangover. Dave Rieger joins us today. Uh, D- Dave, I um, I, I, I actually thought at one point yesterday, oh boy, those those folks that said they weren't going to watch the Super Bowl really uh, were right on. <laughs> it was a rough game. It was pretty boring. Till till the for end for large yeah. stretches of that game. Sure, yeah. Um, wasn't the greatest, uh, you know, X's and O's game ever. And I I had the thought multiple times throughout that game as well. And the thought that I had was seventeen point lead at halftime. Yeah, Lions had a seventeen point lead at halftime in the NFC Championship game, and it just felt like boy. Uh, would be nice sitting here with a with a different vibe today. You were not alone. Uh, social yeah. media was all yep. over that. Uh, and I wonder how many of the fans were fans that originally had said they weren't going to watch because they were so still they were still so upset about the Lions loss in the NFC Championship game. Here's what I are don't these the, are these the same people now that said Lions uh, could have beat either of these teams? No, I do believe that the Lions would have beat the brakes off of Kansas, Kansas City. I do. I just do. I, I, yeah, offensively, they would have been able to get it going more. I mean, defensively, you're still dealing with Patrick Mahomes, but um, I, I felt like they would have they would have won that game. But anyway, doesn't matter. What I do not understand are Lions fans who had, like, Lions-themed Super Bowl parties. Yes, I saw that, too. That is a different level of... Um, I just, boy, that I don't know. Me, uh, that takes me back to when, if you remember a couple of years back when Matthew Stafford was in the Super Bowl and all of the Detroit Rams shirts. Yeah, it's crazy. I, uh, I, my, uh, my mom, uh, it came over for the Super Bowl yesterday. My mom, my dad, my sister, and um, she, she went off to like Party City or something to get, you know, plates or whatever, football plates, and uh, she said that they had full size. Jared Goff cardboard cutouts for like 50 bucks. So these businesses like a party city, like in the Metro Detroit area, they, they would have, my guess, I don't have this confirmed, but my guess is they were, they had ordered, you know, different type, you know, whatever, oh, I'm sure. whatever lion stuff yeah, yeah. because they had to prepare sure. for a lion Super Bowl. which if that's right. the case, I mean, people, Lions-themed Super Bowl parties would have been, but it would have been nuts. But 50 bucks, they had to have been on discount. Come on. They must have been on discount. I mean, obviously. I mean, nobody's buying that now for a guy that's not in the game. But I, I just thought that's a weird, that's a weird, like, way to celebrate Super Bowl Sunday with a Lions-themed, like, and I, there were people that had, like, cookies that I saw online that were, like, you know, like, salty or, you know, people were upset. I just—it was so silly to me. You're, we're not in it. It doesn't matter. You move along. Here's what I want to know: What did all these people do all the rest of the years before this that the Lions right didn't make? You it? just have a stupid Super Bowl party. What, 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 what did they do? You know? Yeah, we—they do whatever I do. I don't remember this happening. I don't remember no. this happening in '91. You just—you just do whatever you normally do. Your team's not in it, so you do whatever you normally do. I didn't like the commercials. I didn't think they were very good, very funny. I don't know. We did watch. Uh, Danielle, you might appreciate this. We watched some of that game on Nickelodeon. I wanted to the do kids. that. Uh-huh. I was upset I had to watch the big people game. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was cute. 
Uh-huh. It was the first time they had a Super Bowl on Nickelodeon. Yeah, it's a CBS partner, but uh, or or whatever a company. Um, and uh, and yeah, so so they it it was very uh, it was like SpongeBob uh, themed. Okay. So there were times when, like, if they were showing like a replay, Ooh. it looked like you know if you you know that that look of like sun shining into the water, yeah. and the rays mm-hmm. in the water. Mm-hmm. It looked like that. Oh, so it looked cool. like they were under the water playing, Aww. which was cool. Uh, and then, you know, then they score a touchdown. There's slime everywhere. It's all CGI. Oh, so you were watching the Nickelodeon. We watched the yeah. Nickelodeon once got in a while. Which was, right. it's a great way to keep, if you got little kids sure. at your Super Bowl party, right. it's a nice way to keep them, you know, engaged. You didn't like the, any of the commercials, huh? No, I thought they were mostly <sighs> stupid. Okay. And to be fair, I only maybe heard about half of them. Yeah. Because I had one kid over here asking me to play with his iPad. Sure. I had another one over here asking me if we could watch Bluey. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, can you just stop? I need the, the game's on. Can we just stop for a minute? So we turned on Nickelodeon. Um, but I did have to flip back and forth, though, because the commercials that were on the CBS broadcast were most of the time different than what was on Nickelodeon. Oh. Correct. So I would after the this when is where you break, need, I this, to is, this is where you need to you know just hand the kids the iPad and let them. No, play I'm trying or, to teach them football. I'm trying is, where they're engaged. Or if you got it, or you got the two TV system, you know, in place. Look, Dave, so I don't just pacify to, them. I have so you're to. Able to I, they, uh, you know, they're with me. I guess that's the uncle in me, not yeah. the father. Dave's like, in just me. Dude, shut up, go away. That's, that's no, I'm not. No, I would never say that to a child. I would try to. I'm just, paraphrasing. I would try to. You know, I would try to make it work. Find a um, as a solution to the problem. Got it. I understand. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was relatively boring um, for most of the night, but but then the end was really exciting. End was fun. You go to overtime, and um, you know the overtime rules. I thought were the the that change is interesting for postseason play. Think, yeah, think about what did you think about like the Niners having no idea about the rule at all and the Chiefs I don't believe ha- and, that they and, didn't and, have and, any idea. And the Chiefs uh they said they they said that the the one I know. Said, and then the Chiefs are like we we've been we've been practicing this since uh, preseason. What's the rule? Well, it's a little different. It used to be like if you flip the coin, if you get the ball and you score a touchdown, game's over. Okay. Uh now it's like it, you you get it's basically like a whole new game. Like the core, you get there's a whole quarter. You play the quarter basically, um, and then there's like if 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 one team like the 49ers last night, right? Like they kicked the field goal on their first possession. Mm-hmm. So if if uh, Kansas City were to have kicked the field goal, the game would have continued, and then it was the next score wins. Correct, but, but because they t- scored a touchdown, the game was over. So here's so they where both here, had a here's where Coach Shanahan of the Niners is really getting absolutely filleted is because he. Took he 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 uh, took the ball instead of deferring it. So if he had kicked them the ball, then then they had scored a touchdown. Then whoever if they if let's say the Niners then got the touchdown, they would have probably gone for two well, to look, not to okay, not give but, them a right, chance right, to get right, back. Well, you know what I'm saying? Let's we are gonna get they need in too much into the weeds here, right? But, I'm but just like, saying also their defense yeah. was on the field that last possession, true. So they were gassed. That's true. Also, so I think that that probably that's had true. Something but there, but there's a whole bunch of different. I think that this rule, I think. We need to see it more. I think it needs to. Yeah, probably. And I, think they, and I also think they should they should put this rule in the regular season too. I agree. No, I agree with that. Uh, in the meantime, we are uh, going to get word out of Houston uh, at Lakewood Church. That's Joel Olstein's church. Uh, there was a shooting yesterday. Genesee Yvonne Moreno, a 36 year old Hispanic female, 
uh, walked into Lakewood Church in between a couple of of um, services and opened fire. Uh, a five year old boy who was with her was hurt. Uh, a 50-some-year-old woman, 56-year-old woman, I believe, was also hurt. Um, but she was uh, killed by two off-duty police officers uh, at that church. There was also, according to multiple reports, and again, we're, we're uh, police are going to update the situation uh, soon, but there was a pro-Palestinian message on the long gun that Moreno used. It said, Free Palestine. On the side, that's according to multiple reports. Um, I have seen col- conflicting reports um, that this may have been a trans woman, uh, but I have not been able to confirm that one way or the other. We're we're, we're hoping to glean more once police update the situation uh, down in Houston. So we'll we'll give you an update on that as we continue along. Also, uh, Israeli forces rescued two hostages held by Hamas uh, near the Rafah border. Uh, it happened early this morning, heavily guarded apartment, densely packed town in South Gaza. Uh, dozens of Palestinians were killed in that uh, in that raid. But two hostages have been able, uh, they were uh, freed. Uh, so that's two less people that Hamas has, has stashed away. Um, and again, those efforts certainly are underway. Uh, but you're talking about, I've, I've seen varying reports from 60 to almost 100 people that were killed in that raid. Um, but the the IDF forces continue their efforts to try to evacuate Hama, uh, 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 hostages from Hamas's control. Uh, meantime, coming up next, a couple of Michigan lawmakers, state lawmakers, went down to the border. Same group of lawmakers that are urging Governor Gretchen Whitmer to send Michigan guards men and women, down to the border in an effort to help with the border crisis. A couple of lawmakers went down to check things out themselves. We'll get a firsthand account of what they saw next on JR Afternoon. Look, a lot's been made about what's going on down at the southern border. And I think there is even a a certain admission from the Biden White House that that things are out of control. And he is even starting to, to, to do it about face on some... Some promises that he that he said he wouldn't do in order to address the issues at the southern border. Well, things have gotten exponentially worse. I mean, you're talking about 10,000, 12,000 people a day coming across the southern border. We're seeing what's happening in places like New York. And 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 I think it is becoming much more real to not only those in Michigan, but the American people that, that this is a significant issue that is not being addressed in a proper way. So it prompted a few Michigan lawmakers to go down to the southern border. And as they were talking to folks, seeing things for themselves, um, the message still is to Governor Gretchen Whitmer to send uh, guard troops from Michigan down to the southern border in an effort to help border protections to, to try to stem the tide of some of these people coming over. Representative Matt Maddock went there. He also chairs the Freedom Caucus here in Michigan, and he joins us. Representative, good to have you. Hey, thanks for having me on, Chris. You know, I I just wish that every single person listening could actually see what we saw over the past three days on the border. You know, what we witnessed is basically, uh, in in my opinion, the world's largest crime scene. What I mean by that is we saw remnants of of a human trafficking 
operation, I don't even want to call it an operation, it's bigger than an operation on a colossal scale. Um, what we saw was would just blow your mind is something the mainstream media is never going to tell us about, and I'm glad we saw it with our own eyes. Well, blow our mind. What did you see? What What does that trafficking operation look like? Uh, the remnants of the, of the of the crime scene are, are things that we saw are, are the where people crossed the, the Rio Grande and they they took off their clothes to put on dry clothes. There's piles and piles and piles. It's the, it's the world's largest outdoor Salvation Army, and it stinks too. I mean, there are bras, there are there are children's clothing, there are just imagine just clothing on, on such a scale you can't even imagine, and it's all laying there because the Border Patrol and the, the authorities are not permitted to even touch it or clean it up. It's a it's an absolute. Um, it, it looks like a crime scene. Um, in one of the neighborhoods that is directly adjacent to one of the areas that they were crossing on before the, the Texas border security, uh, before the Texas National Guard secured the border, was a very nice subdivision with very nice homes, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollar homes. And we talked with several of the people that live in this neighborhood, and they actually showed us video from their ring and their video surveillance in their yards of all these people trafficking at night. I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of people going through this neighborhood. And the most surprising thing that they told us is the number of Chinese nationalists, the people from China, crossing the border. And that should be a, a red flag for all of us. Why, do they, why are they, these people from China crossing the border illegally like this? Um, what was, uh, what was the, the, I, the, the, the impetus for going down? Why, why did you feel it was necessary as a, as a representative in the state of Michigan to go down to the southern border? Well, we did ask our governor to uh, kindly send some reinforcements down there because they do need them. Uh, there, there has been a total of, I think, five or six states that have actually sent National Guard members to Texas to help them secure the border. And thank God Texas has actually has done a decent job. I mean, they, they've taken a, a, a border crossing. I mean, the, there's, a, there's a very large three-acre processing center about uh, three miles north of town where we were. And uh, we've been told that they were processing 70,000 illegal immigrants or invaders a week at that processing center mm-hmm. alone. Uh, thank God that's been shut down to probably only a couple, maybe 25 to 30 a day right now because they have sent so many troops down there to secure the border. And where were you at exactly? We were in Eagle Pass. We okay, you were in Eagle Pass. Pass. Yeah, we, Eagle Pass is where we spent the majority of our time along that whole section of the border that they've secured. How did you guys get down there? Who, who paid for that trip? Uh, we paid for it out of our own pockets. We flew okay. down there. And in terms of what what's the message that – because I think for a lot of folks, the idea of, of being here in Michigan, um, you know, we're, we're not like New York. We're not like Chicago where, where they have been overrun, certainly, with with migrants that have been bused from the southern border. But with that being said, I, 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 I remember one thing that Representative or Congresswoman Lisa McClain had told our, our uh, all-talk show, that – uh, when that when that bridge at Eagle Pass was shut down, we lost about fifty million dollars of of uh, economic impact a day, and a lot of those shipments coming over by by truck were were auto parts. And so while we may we may may not be seeing the people here necessarily, um, we are we are being impacted. So what is the what is the plea to the governor uh, to send well, to send troops now? What why what what are you telling her? Why why should she consider it? Well, we know it's never going to happen. I mean, this is part of the Democrats, in, in my opinion. This is part, another part of the, the reason this is happening, this, this colossal movement of human beings you know, across our borders. First of all, we need to ask ourselves, why is the United States the only nation in the world that has an open border and is promoting these open border policies? In my opinion, this is their last-ditch effort. This, this, this is the, the Democrats' Hail Mary to get enough people over here to give them driver's licenses so they can vote. And when you talk about moving 
a large scale of people here. We're talking about six to eight million people that are here illegally, undocumented. We have no idea what their names are. There's no background checks provided on these people. You know, one person said to me once, yeah, why don't we just open the borders and background check all these people to make sure they're good people? While these other foreign countries, they don't have the infrastructure to provide background checks. As a matter of fact, we've been told by border security and people that are working the border that many of these nations are sending their criminals, they're releasing them from prisons, and they're saying, you go to America and don't come back. So we are getting the worst of the worst people. Granted, there are some good people that are crossing the border who want to start a better life in, in, in the United States. But a lot of these people are going to be living, living under a, a criminal enterprise while they're pay, working to pay off what they pay the coyotes and these other people that help them get, the, get them transported up to the border. So these people aren't going to have not, not a lot of jobs out there. We all know that. A lot of these people are going to be forced into a, into a, a, a criminal syndicate underground to support themselves and their families to pay off what they, you know, the four to six thousand dollars that they paid to get here. So, what then? What in your in your estimation should happen? Should the, the 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 Biden administration be be more proactive? Should should states be, uh, you know, pitching in all the 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 workers that they can via the the National Guard? How, what needs to happen here to turn this around? You know, every state constitution including the border states, and every, every state is a border state, by the way, with open borders. Every state constitution says that the state shall defend their borders against an invasion. It's not may, it is shall. And each one of these states delegated that authority to the federal government. When they delegated that authority, they did not, they did not forfeit their authority to reinforce their own borders, to secure their own borders. So every single state needs to do their own job. Texas is a shining star. They are doing a great job. They have, they have shut down the, the vast majority of people crossing the border, but is Arizona going to do it? Is New Mexico going to do it? Are these other southern states run by Democrats, are they going to shut down their border? I don't think so. So a lot of these people are going to be funneled because the, the pipeline is not going to stop pushing people into the United States illegally. This invasion is going to continue, but it's not going to continue in Texas. So all these people are going to eventually be funneled via tra- train traffic or buses. They're going to start busting them to other Democrat-run states where they're going to gladly welcome these people into our nation again. Mm. Uh, Representative Matt Maddock, uh, great stuff. Appreciate the, the time uh, and, uh, and you sharing what you saw uh, on your trip to Eagle Pass. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Yep, you got it. That's Representative Matt Maddock. Uh, you know, it's an interesting thought that, you, that, that Michigan representatives would go down, check things out. I, I think that we, we are starting to see the full scope of of what's happening i mean so you look at what happened out in new york where you have three undocumented immigrants that come into this country and assault a police officer right what happens they get let go from police custody then there's a manhunt um that's that's just one thing right it's one thing it's not painting a broad brush it's not saying that everybody is going to do those things but when you're when when you have this notion that the border is open when you have this notion that that you can get through well more and more people are going to take advantage of that i'd love to get your thoughts 800-859-0957 800-859-0wjr also throw in an, an extra thing because there is a, a biden administration a piece of this that i want to get to you next on jr afternoon you know, it's interesting, this immigration issue. It's like you get to the people that 
that are most frustrated by this. I mean, the people that are most offended are immigrants, people that came to this country, spent every last dollar that they had to get here, whether that's you're from uh, halfway around the world, the quarter way around the world, doesn't matter. I, I always find that when I talk to people that came to this country or their parents came to this country, you know, first generation Americans, I always find that they are the most appalled by what's happening at the southern border. Here's the other part that is interesting. You know, you, you, you go to work, right? And your boss tells you, hey, I want you to do this thing. And you're like, all right. But then you're like, I don't really want to do that thing. So I'm going to give it off to Susie. Susie takes it. And Susie's like, I don't really want to do that either. I'll give it to John. And John takes it. And then at some point, the boss goes, what? Didn't you do that thing that I wanted you to do? And everybody says, no, we didn't want to do it. We just passed it on down the line until it got to the mail guy. And he's like, I don't want to do it either. So it's kind of what's happened at the White House. Because there was a piece done by Axios came out today. How Biden botched the border. They go through this scenario where Joe Biden met with members of his cabinet, uh, particularly as it pertained to immigration officials, Homeland Security advisors, uh, back in January, January of 2023. And the president was allegedly asking for all of these crazy uh, statistics on the border, and nobody had them, so he lost his mind. He was irate. He was so upset. And nobody wanted to to, uh, upset the president. And so... Uh, they did their best to try to get the information as quickly as possible. Um, but what the president did when he became president was delegate that work to Vice President Kamala Harris. Her role was going to be the board and immigration. But the vice president's office made clear to those in the administration, again, this is according to a piece in Axios, that her responsibilities began and ended with people and the reasons they were coming from Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. Everything else, Kamala Harris washed her hands of. wasn't her responsibility. And there was an interesting piece in here. A former Biden administration senior official told Axios, She's been at best ineffective and at worst sporadically engaged and not seeing it was her responsibility. It's an opportunity for her and she didn't fill the breach. Okay, which takes me to the situation currently unfolding at the southern border. Look, I I don't I think if you live in places like New York where they're rolling out millions and millions and millions of dollars for undocumented immigrants to get prepaid credit cards so that they can live while you have homeless people that have been completely neglected. I get the argument. I also get the argument in places like Chicago, where they are so overrun with people that they are paying for them to be put in hotels, fed three meals a day for months on end. Meanwhile, you've got homeless people, you've got disenfranchised people that are left going, well, wait a second. Why are they getting this treatment? Meanwhile, I'm over here living under an overpass, and I was born here. Now, 
We don't have those issues here in Michigan. Our issues are more economic. Or our issues in places like Oakland County, where you have these crime syndicates from places like Honduras, where they are trained criminals. They are, in some cases, um, gang members. And they are targeting affluent homes and robbing them. And they are stealthily watching to see when people come, when people go, and then they hit the house. So, no, we we are not getting bust with people, thankfully. But it is an issue for everybody. And, and the more and more you see the overwhelmness at the border for Border Patrol agents or, you know, I... I think that there is an opportunity to both feel um to both feel compassion and to to take a a stance on what's right and what's wrong. I feel bad for people. Like generally, like let's operate on the assumption that these that that most of these people coming through just want a better life. All right? And and getting out of their situation in South America or wherever wherever they're from is a better situation. All right? So let's play that game. I feel bad. I I feel compassion when these kids are in the middle of this. I feel compassion. But at the end of the day, you know, we're we're being taken advantage of. And that's where I think most people have an issue. 800-859-0957. August is in Milford. He kicks us off. What's up, August? Hey, a great show, my friend. And I have to agree with you. Um, This has all been planned in my thinking. Do you believe that? Yeah, I do. I actually, I do. Because the idea is we go down, it's over. The whole world goes socialist. And whoever the day is, guess what, my friend? They're going to tell you whether you can live. They're going to tell you where you can live. They're going to tell you where you can work. They're going to tell you what medicine you get, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right, but August, here's here's my issue, and here's my counterpoint to that, is this is such a big issue that, I mean, you even put aside Joe Biden's, you know, potential mental health or uh, cognitive decline or issues that he has going on, health issues wise. Put that aside. I mean, this is a big enough issue for, for him to get beat on. You know what I mean? Well, I know what you mean. And I think the first thing you have to understand if he's even there. This is elder abuse. The guy's not there. He doesn't know what he's doing. Well, who does? Somebody's pulling the strings, and I want to know who it is. Yeah, I just feel like this issue is is bigger than that. I mean, you go back to 2016 with Donald when Donald Trump was was shining a spotlight on it. I mean, it was bad then. I mean, this is the the reality is is the United States' immigration policies are so lax, or or there is just defiant obstinance to it. Like they like. For whatever reason, politicians for years and years and years have let it slip to the point of of it's decrepit now. And we do not enforce our laws. We do not hold people to account. And when you are lax on that issue, you get to the point where you are today, where you have roughly 10,000 people coming across the border every single day. August, I appreciate the call. Mark's in Livonia. What's up, Mark? Yeah, I just was listening to a report about this today. But there is a huge difference between what uh, what was come, you know, the problem when Trump was in office and now, because now it's times 10. Yeah. But um, I'm not, they, I'm, the, Mark, I'm not, I'm not comparing. I'm just saying it's been an issue. 
for right. a long time. Well, I mean, they, they found 17 during the Trump administration, 17 people on the terrorist watch list. Mm-hmm. And now there's, you know, three, 300,000 or whatever, 30,000 or whatever it is. But anyway, um, this is, was the report today was 30% of these young people that are coming in, girls and boys, you know, there some thirty percent of them are not accompanied with an adult. The ones that are, um, like a man might hold the, the young person tight, and they look scared, and they said, "Who is that?" And well, that's my dad. Well, they used to do a DNA test to check on that. The Biden administration got rid of that, and so now they now a lot of them are going right into the sex trafficking uh, uh, area. And, and it's really, and they're 13 year olds and they're 14 year olds, but like the first uh, caller uh, said, this is on, they, they just want power. They want votes, but something else tells me that, you know, is there corruption in this? Is, are, is who's benefiting from this financially? We know the sex traffickers are, and the drug cartels have never been more richer than they ever have under the Biden administration. But this this is crazy. Well, I just don't, I don't understand. People. I don't understand how you bury your head in the sand like this for so long. Like, that's the crazy part. And it sounds like the president did try. I mean, no, I'm, I'm believe me, I'm not giving him any credit, but he put Kamala Harris in charge of it. She bungled it and was a no show. And and what? Nobody nobody's mind in the store. Like that's no. the, that's the thing that I have the biggest issue with, and then you're gonna then you're gonna take issue with the way Texas is trying to keep people out. I mean, it's it's nonsense. It's absolutely nonsense, and I feel for those people that have to try to to deal with this in an orderly manner, and it's it's virtually impossible. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven eight hundred eight five nine zero WJR. Uh, Friday, we weren't able to get to it. Uh, I did was able to catch up with Congressman Tim Wahlberg, and I wanted to play you our interview. That's coming up next on JR Afternoon. All right, so as we continue to to break down what happened last night, uh, certainly uh, some pretty shocking stuff, jarring stuff from the president last night. Uh, I do want to throw something else into the mix because there is still a funding package that is is being bandied about in the Senate. Certainly, House Republicans seem uh, less likely to take this this funding package for Israel, uh, Ukraine, Taiwan um, lightly. Uh, It's something that's going to be debated uh, certainly in the House, but currently in the Senate. I want to welcome in Congressman Tim Wahlberg of Michigan's 5th District to help us break it all down. Congressman, it's good to have you back. Good to be with you. Um, let, let's start. Let's start there. Uh, th- there was a, a bipartisan effort in the Senate to include funding for Israel and and Ukraine to to border uh, measures. Th- those two were divorced, and now there is a, a bill in the Senate that's being bandied about for for funding for for these three countries. Um, wh- what are the prognosis of that? What's the What's the appetite for not only House Republicans, but the the real odds on chance that this gets to the president's desk for a, for a signature? Well, in, in the House, it's uh, basically a system, a situation where the mouse has been pushed into the corner by the cat and now is turned and bear, bearing its teeth. Um, we have, you know, guys like me, you understand, I, I, I support Ukraine. I would like to see us help Ukraine. Any any country that's willing to fight Putin for us 
and not shed American blood, I, I want to support. The same with Israel, uh, a longtime special ally of ours. We want to support them. We don't want China to have an upper hand unnecessarily over Taiwan. So all three are important uh, funding considerations. But the only way you get things done that you have to get done, and in this case, securing our own border, dealing with our own border security, is to have a must-pass bill or package that you can hang this on and say, no further until we do this. And, and that's where we're at. Um, I would quickly state that the only house to pass a border protection bill, and I'm not talking about immigration reform, we're talking about border protection, is the House of Representatives. And we've done it twice. One, the second time we passed it, also included funding for Israel. But Chuck Schumer, who hadn't passed anything, still hasn't passed anything on any of those issues, uh, had the audacity to say that that's dead on arrival in the Senate. And so what we're saying, wait a second, Chuck, the House passed two bills that will take care of the border and in one case take care of Israel funding as well. Talk to us about that before you try to jack us around with a bill that, frankly, the American public doesn't want until they get border security. That's one thing. In a town hall meeting, meeting I had this morning, um, and uh, I'm heading, heading to another one right now in Marcellus. Uh, I'm sure that's the number one issue of concern, and that's border security. So um, I'm glad we're talking about this here because the national media is pushing, pushing back on Mike Johnson, our speaker, for saying about the border bill that the Senate was supposedly going to pass, which they haven't, and they didn't get it done, that it was dead on arrival if it came that way. If you want to take care of it, we have a bill. It's over there. It's H.R. 2. We know it works because it was Trump's border policy, and we know that secured the border. Get that done, and then we can talk about Ukraine, uh, Israel, Taiwan, and any other thing you want to talk about. Well, and speaking of border security, I mean, there had been a lot of due diligence, due diligence done by House Republicans to to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, the yeah. the Department, uh, the Homeland Security Secretary. And and that I mean, that that fell apart. Um, Mike Johnson seemed to indicate that they had the votes, uh, that you had the votes in, in the House, but it, it didn't come to pass. What what happened there and what can we expect uh, action wise uh, from from House Republicans going forward on that issue? Yeah, it'll pass next week. Okay. I think I can safely say because we'll have the numbers. Uh, we thought we did because uh, a Democrat member, uh, Representative Green from Texas, Al Green, was literally in the hospital for surgery. Uh, before the end of that vote, they wheeled him in, in his scrubs, in a wheelchair so he could vote. Our leadership didn't realize or think that they would do that. Mm. So we, we would have had one vote to spare. When he came in, that, that, that ended it. Uh, well, because one of our leaders uh, under our rules was willing to say, okay, I will um, change my vote to a no vote so we can bring it up again next week. It was Blake, uh, Blake Moore from Utah. Um, uh, we are able to bring it up next week. Steve Scalise, who is away, uh, finishing up his uh, cancer therapy, which thank God has gone very well. He's cancer free. Uh, and uh, he'll be back next week. That will give us the votes to complete it. Um, you know, Mayorkas has to be impeached. He's violated the law. Uh, he does not come under the same provisions as other cabinet secretaries um, that are that are at, working at the will of the president. Uh, this new new uh, agency, 
Homeland Security Department with a cabinet secretary came in after 9-11, and we took action in the House to make sure that he came under uh, congressional control and not simply the president's mm. control. So it's not unconstitutional for us to impeach him. Uh, speaking of violating the law, um, the report was released yesterday as it stemmed from uh, the investigation being done into Joe Biden's uh, classified documents case. Um, the uh, the special prosecutor, Robert Herr, found that uh, indeed Joe Biden did willfully retain classified documents. Uh, there were uh, laws broken. And uh, instead of recommending charges, which he didn't, uh, he he seemed to indicate that the reason he wasn't uh, recommending charges was because the president wouldn't have been able to uh, uh, fully represent himself in front of a, a jury based on his mental capacities and, and his age. What did you make of that report? Yeah, he'd be, he'd be seen as a jury, as a kindly old man. How could they convict him uh, with a bad memory? Well, I, what we saw there was that it's, it's, it's okay to give it a criminal offense and charges against one president, i.e. a Republican president. It's okay to not give criminal charges to a Democrat president, uh, Joe Biden. Uh, that shows to me a very political interpretation of what the law is all about. And Trump is, uh, the cases will continue. Uh, and uh, Biden, it will be put down. But the damning evidence that was put out was that this guy is not capable of carrying on the office of the presidency. And that leads me and I think plenty of others to assume very clearly what we thought is that this is a placeholder, Joe Biden, uh, completely incapable of doing it since he was elected. And some cabal or entity behind him is actually calling the shots. And I think that's that's when, when Heard put, put this out and saying that um, he was really not capable uh, because of his age of handling a court case. Uh, what does that say then about handling the presidency of the United States in a very dangerous world? Who Who, who is that cabal behind Joe Biden? Who do you think, who, who is well, that? You know, I, I don't know for certain, but I've always guessed at it. And I think right now it could be surmised that I'm probably not far off that certainly uh, President Obama is there, uh, George Soros, Bill Gates, um, uh, Eric Holder, and some of the others that uh, wanted to do major things during the Obama administration. But because the pesky voters uh, changed the makeup of the majority in yeah. Congress, they didn't get it done. So here, here's a guy they can put in place. Uh, he's amiable with them. Uh, they can they can lead from behind, and I would guess that I you know I could be totally wrong. Sure, but we do know that this president has no appearance of the ability uh, to be president of the United States and be making these decisions on his own. Tim Wahlberg, always appreciate the time. Uh, we'll talk again very soon. I know you guys are busy, so we'll catch up again here in the next couple of weeks. Thanks so much. Yep, you got it. That's, yep. Three o'clock hour. Good to have you with us. Monitoring the press conference, Houston police are holding down in Houston uh, following the, the shooting at the Joel Olstein Church uh, in Houston yesterday afternoon, Lakewood Church. Um, it was carried out by a 36-year-old, Genesee Moreno.
Um, she is dead. Uh, she was shot and killed by two off-duty police officers after she got into the church with, uh, I believe it was two weapons, including one long gun with a sticker on the side that said Free Palestine. Uh, she was with a seven-year-old who was hurt uh, along with uh, uh, a woman uh, at 56 years old. Uh, interestingly enough, um, about Genesee Moreno, Genesee Moreno has a long rap sheet, 20-year-old criminal history. Uh, she has also gone by the names Jeffrey Escalante, Jeffrey um, Moreno, uh, a number of different aliases. Uh, they really stopped short of calling her a trans woman. I'm not entirely sure if that's the case. But they said that there were a number of different aliases and they were referring to her as a woman. Um, so that's what police are saying at this hour uh, following this 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 shooting down in Houston. It could have been a lot worse. Uh, thankfully, two off-duty police officers were there um, and, and handled the situation. In the meantime, uh, there has been a lot of disagreements. But more and more as time has gone on, consensus about TikTok. Because there is a number of of lawmakers at every level, certainly in Washington, um, bipartisan lawmakers that have come together and said TikTok is is um, it, it's not something that should be utilized here in the United States because of its connections to China, because of of the the type of software and algorithms they use. Um, it's it's more used as um, a spying mechanism than anything else for the CCP. And so th- there is starting to become more and more consensus about TikTok and whether or not it should be used in the United States. I mean, lawmakers have been talking about banning it for, for the last couple of years. Well, now uh, there is a new member of the TikTok community, and it's President Joe Biden. His reelection campaign has officially launched its own TikTok account. They unveiled it yesterday, and they had a uh, their first video was a Super Bowl theme video, which is a little silly. I mean, uh, they asked uh, Joe Biden, "Are you a Travis Kelsey fan or a Jason Kelsey fan?" Uh, Jason Kelsey plays for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and he says, "I'm a Mama Kelsey fan. I hear she makes great cookies." <laughs> I get it like you're trying to appeal to a 19-year-old but like can can we at least try a little I mean I, can we at least try a little to to slip some informative content in there no Oh what what did the NFL tell you about its scripted ending Oh I I can't talk about that Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, boy. So now Joe Biden on on TikTok. Uh, There was an interesting quote I saw in one story. It was uh, one of the the leaders of Voters of Tomorrow. It's a Gen Z-led nonprofit. Uh, They said, our generation will undoubtedly be the deciding factor this November, and we are glad to see the Biden campaign making engagement with us 
a top priority. That that's not engagement, though. And I, now I now you know I got I got to sit here and sound like an old guy. That's not engagement. Just because you feed somebody you know empty calories, you're not nourishing them. Like like you go to McDonald's, you're you're eating, but are you? It's a lot of empty calories. There's nothing there. There's nothing good there. I just it feels pretty empty. So yeah, I guess technically you're engaging, but but based on what? What, what what's your favorite kind of ice cream flavor? I mean, come on. But I guess if that's the the way to an uh, um, eighteen nineteen year old's heart politically, I suppose that's what you're going to do. Meanwhile, uh, Israeli forces led a raid that led to two hostages being rescued near the Rafah border in southern Gaza. Um, It also led to roughly 67 Palestinians killed. Uh, It was a bombardment overnight near Rafah, which is packed with uh, roughly 1.4 million people. Many of those uh, in southern Gaza escaped northern Gaza as the IDF uh, pushed south on the Strip. Um, But uh certainly uh a a it was a pretty devastating rescue uh, attempt and successfully rescuing two hostages but but now this adds to the toll of of those killed in the Gaza strip Palestinians uh reaching that 28,000 mark now but uh Israel remains steadfast in their efforts to to root out uh, Hamas and their leadership in the Gaza Strip. Meanwhile, uh, according to NBC News, Joe Biden is disparaging Benjamin Netanyahu in private, but outwardly there has been no real um, efforts to dissuade Bibi from from the efforts that the Israelis see see necessary in in ruling in rooting out Hamas. Um, the the report says that the president has been venting his frustration in private conversations, some with campaign donors, over his inability to persuade Israel to change its military tactics in the Gaza Strip. Yet the president's still looking at an aid package to, to Israel. I mean, the United States is looking to fund Israel. I mean, certainly to to help protect itself from, from attacks on Israeli soil, you know, the Iron Dome and things like that, but... I mean, the president outwardly is still very much siding with Israel. And and I don't know that him trying to dissuade Netanyahu from carrying out the attacks, uh, the, the, the attacks the way that they are, 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 are anything but, you know, stepping aside and moving away from where Israel is. But at the same time, I mean, you're not going to really be able to talk the Israelis out of what they feel is necessary at this point. And I think that's the reality of the situation. So people here can feel uh, any way they want about it. And it's, it's tragic. I mean, people are dying. Innocent people are dying, which is tragic. But the reality is this, this, this is, this is what Israel feels like they need to do. And they are doing it. So while the United States outwardly continues to support Israel, continues to fund Israel, continues to to support their cause in ruling out a, a terrorist organization, um, you know, these types of reports also to, to me raise the the question 
um, you know, as the administration looks to reach out to to Arab voters, Muslim voters, you know, obviously here in 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 Metro Detroit, it's like it's almost like having your cake and eating it too. these types of reports. And I always question them. Oh, a a report in NBC says Joe Biden frustrated with Benjamin Netanyahu behind closed doors. And he just can't dissuade Netanyahu from from coming off his mark of of going on the offensive and trying to root out Hamas and and bring these hostages home. Okay, well, meanwhile, you're trying to pass an aid package to Israel. And you haven't been outwardly critical of 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 their efforts. I mean, I don't know how you could be. You've designated Hamas as a terrorist organization and Israel is going after Hamas. So it's a tough spot politically to be in. But, you know, the president continues to try to sit on both sides of the fence. And I think that's what's going to hurt him in the end. Uh, Rough weekend for Donald Trump, too, by the way. Uh, Some of his comments about NATO. We'll talk about that next as we continue on here on JR Afternoon. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0957. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. So Donald Trump this weekend talked about, you know, the, the stemming from the, the, the Vladimir Putin interview with Tucker Carlson, um, where Donald Trump basically said, look, um, you know the the united nations uh the the or excuse me not united nations nato nato countries nato allies if if russia were to attack a nato ally that that basically were delinquent on their taxes that 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 weren't paying um that the united states wouldn't get involved now he's come under fire for this and I'd love to get your thoughts on it because, you know, the, the United States and their NATO allies, particularly trying to tighten things up in a time when when Russia is in Ukraine, when Russia has invaded Ukraine. And the worry is that 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 this is or at least some, particularly those on the left are saying well this is th- th- this is a terrible sign for Donald Trump if he were to be elected a second term 800-859-0957 800-859-0wjr uh in the meantime I do want to uh, uh tap into the expertise of Danny Davis retired lieutenant colonel at defense priorities and host of Daniel Davis deep dive on YouTube and he joins us Danny good to have you back Hi, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. What did you make of Donald Trump's comments about NATO and potentially other countries attacking a NATO ally if they weren't up to to snuff on their payments? You know, if you look at his comments in context and just some of the instead of some of the shorter clips I've seen on some of the major media, Mm -hmm. you'll see he was talking about stuff that happened in his term of office, not not like currently what I'm saying that I'll do this. He said this conversation allegedly took place. You know, back then, and he made the point that by saying these outlandish things, that suddenly they started paying up and they started increasing the amount of money mm-hmm. that they were given. This is just Trump's way of being uh, hyperbole and over the top uh, in order to drive home a bigger point. I mean, he's he's hasn't shown any uh, interest or incentive to like disband NATO or just say, hey, 
you know, this is purely an economic transaction. I think he's trying to say, hey, y'all got to do better. You, you know, you can't just keep saying you're going to, you know, provide 2% or whatever the number happens to be at any given time and then not do it and, and then expect us to, to completely support fully. And, and I think that he's right on that. I, I don't think that we should just give a blanket check to, to, you know, provide all the security when they themselves are not providing an adequate security for their own national security. I think it's reasonable for us to say, hey, look, um, if you're going to be a, an actual member of this alliance, and if it's going to be a mutual defense treaty, then I need to see mutual support and, and mutual beneficial support paid in there. So I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, America should not be the first line of defense in Europe, which is basically what we are right now. We should be an uh, over-the-horizon help. Each of these countries should step up their own national security. So as a both as countries and as Europe, they are taking the priority for their own responsibility for their security. They have the economic wherewithal. They have the technological wherewithal. They should do it, but we keep doing it for them. And you had uh, President Biden last summer at the NATO summit basically say, here's a blank check. You know, no matter what, we are going to continue to support you. Well, what do you think that the countries are going to do when they know they've had decades where America keeps saying all this stuff, but then they don't do anything and they don't require anything of them? And we keep providing their security while they can spend their money elsewhere. They're going to keep doing it. And I think at some point you've got to have uh, you know, a conversation with, that says – um, you know, I'm not going to get out of the treaty, but we're going to change the nature of our support to over the horizon, and you guys have the frontline security, and, and you know, do that over time. I would rather that be upfront and direct instead of, you know, this hyperbolic way that Trump did it. I don't like the way he did that, but that's his personality. But I don't think there's any chance at all, which many people are trying to say, that he would actually not uh, help somebody based on what the checkbook said. I, that's I don't see any evidence. Of and, that. and that was exactly my read. And I think hy- being hyperbolic was is the best way to put it, because in the event of of the United States needing to step up for a NATO ally, of course they would. Of course they would. Yeah. There's no way that they would let a, a, a member of NATO just, you know, get, get taken over, get attacked. I mean, it's just it's unthinkable. Yeah. But Donald Trump, I mean, going back to his time as president was very much about paying your fair share. Right. Doing doing your part in all of this. Right. Yeah. All the way back from the from the the, uh, uh, campaign, you know, starting as far back as I think 2015 or so, all the way through this speech. He has never said anything besides NATO countries in Europe need to step up to their fair share of of the defense of the alliance. And, And he just used this. I think poor way to say it this time, but his message is still the same and it's still right. So is is this is this why you think and look, this is only my interpretation of it. I think that I think that Donald Trump does get a uh, a bad rap from a geopolitical perspective um, from people outside of the United States, not even necessarily politicians, but just people from other countries. There is this view of Donald Trump where he's so brash, he's, you know, unhinged, whatever. Um, is this why he gets that rap because of of, you know, statements like this in, in, in dealing with key NATO allies? Well, he, he gets this rap, especially because it's the 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 establishment uh, people across the board in Western Europe and the United States that find it so uncomfortable. They love Joe Biden's comments that, no, we're going to be there no matter what, so it doesn't put any pressure on them. They're comfortable with that. 
they're very uncomfortable with Trump's over-the-top rhetoric and things that he says and the fact that you can't really, um, you know, for sure predict exactly what he's going to do in any mm-hmm. given place. But, I mean, he's, he still is an America first uh, president and, mm-hmm. and is and a campaign, a candidate now. And that means you make good on your, your uh, commitments when it comes down to it. And I've never seen any evidence that he would leave an ally hanging out to dry over a spreadsheet. Uh, but that's what some people want to say because this is a, a very convenient way to attack him. He's opened himself up. Um, this, but that's just his characteristic. That's what he's done, and this is the price you pay for it. You know, he, he talked about this at a campaign rally a couple of days ago in South Carolina. Is this a, a winning message to the American public? Do you think is this something where, where they uh, again, um, um, uh, certainly an American first, uh, uh, you know, message that the United States is going to ask others to. To, to do their part. Is is this a winning message, do you think, for people? When you say – well, let me specify which message you're talking about, that, that he would make somebody yeah. uh, pay their fair share or that, yeah. that he would leave somebody out to dry. No, 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 no. Okay. no, no, no. Then 100 percent, yes. Yeah. yeah, Americans are very fair-minded, uh, and, and I, if you get down to it – I mean some people can't separate the message from the messenger, so – if you don't like Donald Trump, you won't hear any of his messages sure, either. But sure. in isolation, if you said, hey, should we provide the frontline security for another continent, pay more than the rest of the continent combined, and then continue to let that condition go on, even though they promised for decades that they mm-hmm. would meet the standard? Nobody's going to say, yeah, sure, that's, that's cool. I'm OK with America spending our money and our, and our troops risk their lives. For the sake of somebody else who has the money to pay it and won't, no, that that is a big a, a point that Americans really resonate with. So, if Trump can just clean up his messaging, I think he'll find a, a ready assistance there. Danny Davis, defense priorities. Uh, Daniel Davis, deep dive on YouTube. Appreciate your insight as always, my friend. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven eight hundred eight five nine zero WJ. I want to get your thoughts on this. Look, it's not the first time that Donald Trump has used, you know, hyperbole in order to paint a picture and, and deliver a message. Um, there is no under no circumstances. I, I look anywhere you hear it that Donald Trump would be willing and ready to leave a NATO ally behind because they're, uh, you know, like he said it, uh, you didn't pay, you're delinquent. Let's say you get attacked. No, I wouldn't protect you. In fact, I would encourage Russia to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. Right. That is painting a severe picture. That that you got to get it together. You got to do your part. So, no, I don't think Donald Trump would leave a NATO ally out in the cold. But it is a message of you got to step up and do your part. Love to get your thoughts. 800-859-0957. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. You can call that number. You can text that number. Dave, let's let's bang a couple of those out, and we'll get to the callers. One says that, um, Chris, are you trying to defend Trump from his own words? He no. said this, and you are saying, oh, he won't do that. Or, you know, are you trying to kind of, you know, basically... No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, playing cover to anybody. Yeah. Ask yourself the question. If, if there is a piece of rubble that falls into Poland from Israel, from, from an attack on Israel, if there is a piece of rubble that falls into Poland, 
You don't think the United States and NATO allies are going to be jumping to to defend their their NATO ally? I mean, come on. It, it's patently false to say that Donald Trump has been anti-NATO. Like, the, the, there's been no talk of, you know, getting out of NATO, disbanding NATO, not being a part of the day-to-day operations of our European allies. It's just, it's nonsense. So this is, this is, I view this as a messaging tactic by Donald Trump. The, the continuation of Donald Trump's American first ideology and, and, and eventually what leads to his policy is Donald Trump is not going to just sit there and let you let you take advantage of the United States. At least that's the words. I don't believe that if push came to shove, that if the United States needed to protect a NATO ally, they would. So, no, I, I don't. I'm not playing cover. That's just my read on it. Trump usually, uh, I feel, kind of has a. I think he. I, I feel like he has a point to every statement that he makes. I don't think he usually says things just to kind of just throw them out there. Correct. So. Correct. Yeah. Anything else, David? I would agree with you. Um, nothing really. Okay. Great. Than, Let's go to Eric and Dexter. What's up, Eric? Taking the call. Uh, well, this is part of a bigger pattern as far as I'm concerned, and I'll tell you what I think the hyperbole is at the end. Uh, ever since Trump took office uh, and they realized he was really a serious candidate, suddenly you have uh, golden showers, Stormy Daniels. And- the golden showers Ru- thing wasn't real, though, Eric. You know that. That's what I mean. Yeah. And, and Russian collusion. And Hillary was convicted of that, of spreading that Russian collusion thing. She paid a $6,000 fine. But mm-hmm. aside from that, uh, the Russian collusion thing went on and on and on for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And Got every, two weeks, on it. Every, all the, every two weeks, they would say, oh, we have another piece of evidence on Russian collusion. And uh, now we got him. Mm-hmm. And now he's really in trouble. And the public's waiting, waiting. Nothing ever happens. You never hear of it again. Then two weeks later, we got them now. We got something else coming. Just like everything, there's always something coming, always something coming. Well, the hyperbole in this case is, and that was hyperbole. The Russian collusion and all that stuff was hyperbole. This is hyperbole because they changed the meaning of what he said to refer to the future as opposed to the past. Right. That was your point. He was talking about the future and they keep they keep wanting to have something on him. And he gets a very bad reputation in the process because mm-hmm. most people don't have time to spend hours every day trying to figure out what's really true in the news and what's not. And if you're a hardworking person and you only have 15 minutes to turn it on at quarter to seven and you see. No, and this ABC, is where CBS, this is where Trump this is where Trump generally lives he lives in this area where he doesn't necessarily he doesn't talk in specifics a lot of the time he's talking in generalities so he's at this rally in south carolina when he talks about the president of a big country saying well if we're attacked by russia are you going to protect us 
And Trump says, ah, if you're delinquent, I'm not going to protect you. I'll, I'll encourage Russia to attack it. You know, like it's it's these generalities of like a scenario. But he's he's never been like, no, if you don't pay, we're not we're not coming like we will we will we will question our position in NATO. Like it's none of, none of that. It's never that. It's a lot of generalities. It's a lot of painting of a picture. But in this case, I i mean, look, you read it however you want. But for me, I don't take Donald Trump seriously on this. Well, some people, oh, what a terrible weekend for Donald Trump. Was this a bad weekend for Donald What about Donald Trump? No, no. He is, to me, this is what, this is one of the things that got him elected in the first place. It's identifying something that the American people go, yeah, you know what? We, we've been t- taken advantage of. Let's not be taken advantage of anymore. And that's where Donald Trump lives. Eric, appreciate the call. Dave's in Rochester. Hello, David. Hey, Chris. How are you? Yo. Great. You started the show off talking about information content. My God, the first one, one hour and 42 minutes of your show is misinformation content. Let's go backwards. <laughs> Danny Davis. My God, how could you not read in for one year before uh, beginning with his presidency? Donald Trump talked about NATO being outdated and costing the United States too much money. And, and you, know, you don't get a bill. So what is that, Dave? <laughs> Explain to me where in that statement that you just said, where Donald Trump said we want out of NATO or we, don't, we won't protect NATO or NATO allies. Because when you talk around the world, NATO is outdated. How can any person with a modicum of intelligence Assume that support of NATO. It's outdated. What does outdated mean to you? We don't need it anymore. He, I, I, you're, how old is your son? I bet you he could under, understand that concept. Maybe. Well, with all the misinformation on this show, it's, I don't know. Yeah, do you want me to keep going? He'd be able to parse through it. Yeah, sure, because I'd love to hear the misinformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Matt Maddox, okay? Uh-huh. The, the conspiracy king along with Tim Wahlberg. Oh. Talking about invasion, about the replacement theory. They're going to vote. They're going to vote because we got special licenses. Someone gives them licenses that are non-citizen licenses, and that's going to allow oh. them to vote. Okay, replacement theory, right? Tim Wahlberg talking about uh, my, my. I don't think anybody law. said what replacement law? theory, though. FYI, what lot? So that's a Are that's a. Use the words. No, they that's talk a fallacy. About the they don't use the oh. words. Okay, got it. Got it. Okay, Mayorkas. What law did Mayorkas break? Okay, mm. and, and 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 by the way, the the one vote New York's going to vote tomorrow in place Santos. That's going to the Democrats. There's a ninety percent chance. So there's one vote right there that they'll get back. Okay, I mean it, it's just going to start to. I mean, Day, I, I just want you to know that we talk to everybody on this show. This isn't some you know rinky dink operation. I mean. We we have I mean hell I had Marianne Williamson in studio with me for almost an hour, I mean this I mean come on, we're not doing that today. Dave Clinton Township, what's up, David? Hey, um, in regards to the last caller, um, NATO may not have uh, gone beyond their usefulness, but it's time they either put up or shut up. We're not the uh, we're not the global policemen here. And if you want us to be, you better pay for it. You gotta, you've got to pony up. But Dave, don't you, you think don't? the United States have positioned themselves in that way? Yeah, but it's it's time that the other countries pay their fair share. 
Yeah, and that's right? fine. I just think in in this in this in the real world scenario where a NATO ally gets gets dinged, I mean, we are going to step in. I mean, that that's the reality of the the situation. And that's that's true, but but again, we have a limit to our generosity. We've I mean, fair, sure. Many, Sure. We're taking on too many immigrants. We're taking on too much of the world's problems. It's time for them to start helping out. Look, I don't I don't agree that the United States, um, you know, we're not the answer to every question. We're not the the solution to every problem. I mean, that 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 can't be. It can't be. We can be an example. We can be the 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 beacon on the hill. We can be the the leader in in the way that we wish or think things should be done. But we can't we we can't solve everybody's problems with our money. That that cannot be. And so I again for me, Donald Trump this weekend, not a bad weekend. Donald Trump appealing to his base. Donald Trump again for me being hyperbolic in the message that he's delivering about NATO. Dave, I appreciate the call. I'm up against it. We're talking to Steve Courtney, Ken Brown coming up next here on JR Afternoon. All right, welcome back. Kansas City wins back-to-back Super Bowls, first time in, what, 20-some years. Last time the Patriots, Tom Brady got it done. Uh, And now they're already looking, I mean, Steve Courtney, last night, they're on the stand uh, accepting the trophy, and they're already talking about a three-peat. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, that's uh, incredible. Chris, good afternoon to you, my friend. Hello again, everyone. This chat brought to you by the hardworking men and women at Bill Brown Ford. Uh, Hopefully the W's continue to stack up for the winged wheelers back in action tomorrow night. My good friend Matt Garko and his team are stacking wins each and every day. Drive with the champions at Bill Brown Ford. Shop their TrueView inventory at BillBrownFord.com today. Only the second time in the illustrious history of the National Football League, we go to overtime in the Super Bowl. And uh, Patrick Mahomes, you just kind of had a funny feeling, didn't you? He throws a three-yard touchdown pass to a wide-open McCole Hardman. In overtime, the Chiefs get the 25-22 win over the San Francisco 49ers. Afterwards, Hardman, uh, rather entertaining, said that he blacked out uh, after that touchdown reception. And then Mahomes, uh, talking to the uh, broadcast crew afterwards, uh, explained that Hardman had absolutely no idea that with that reception, he had just won the Super Bowl. So uh, mm. there you go. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, by the way, and Andy Reid are now halfway to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, who won six championships in 20 years together with the Pats, of course. Uh, they were the most recent team to go back-to-back following that 2003-2004 season there, Chris. Not to mention, the 28-year-old Mahomes becomes just the fourth starting quarterback to win Super Bowls, three of them, joining Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Terry Bradshaw, and Troy Aikman. And he is the second youngest. That is that is pretty select company, isn't it? Pretty select company. I mean, mm. you think about that, um, the, the 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 career that Tom Brady had in New England and then and then in Tampa Bay, the 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 success, and with that, just like that, you get you're halfway there with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. It's unbelievable well, what those two a, are doing together. Yeah, and there was a thought uh, that should the Chiefs win Super Bowl Fifty Eight, that Andy Reid would retire. Um, there was conversation, uh, but that has all been put to rest 
because Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey uh, said that, indeed, uh, they are coming back for the possible three-peat. Kelsey making uh, his thoughts known after, of course, a smooch or two uh, with Taylor Swift. Uh, He said the goal has always been to win three in a row, but you can't do that until you win two straight, and that's exactly what he did. You know, the 49ers last night thought they were in pretty good shape. Uh, Jake Moody kicks that 27-yard field goal on the first possession of overtime. Uh, But, again, didn't you, Chris, have a feeling uh, that Mahomes uh, was going to find a way, and I'll be darned if he didn't. He uh, ran for eight yards, remember, on that fourth and one. Yeah, that was a stone-cold call. Too. Unbelievable. It was unbelievable call. And then he had a 19-yard scamper. And is that the difference between Mahomes and Brady? Tom Brady was not all that mobile, not mobile at all. This kid can make it happen with his feet. Yeah, I mean, Tom Brady was deadly accurate, and very rarely did he make mistakes in big spots. Um, you know, Mahomes is hes just so much more elusive. He's so much more of a wild card because he can get you about 10 different ways. Tom Brady will just surgically cut you apart, whereas Patrick Mahomes has, has you know, a, a, a plethora of different um, ways to get you at his disposal. I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of a boring game, truthfully. Oh, it um, was. It was, I mean, you know. kind of laid there. Yeah, it just, it just, there was no juice to it, really. Um until and the fourth quarter, and then obviously you're going into overtime. Yeah, yeah then there um, was some. Then there were some stakes, but it just it just kind of felt to drag on. It just kind of was a blase game. Well, Mahomes finished thirty four forty six, three hundred thirty three yards and two touchdowns, and uh, I, I I believe he went into this tilt with a chip on his shoulder because the quote afterwards was, "The Kansas City Chiefs are never underdogs. Just know that." Yeah. Uh, they became the first team, as a matter of fact, to win consecutive Super Bowls as underdogs. The Eagles, you recall, were slight favorites a year ago. So let me ask you this then. So I watched that game yesterday, um, and I I kept thinking throughout the game, 17-point halftime lead. Oh. You had a 17-point halftime lead. And look, I I just, I firmly believe Lions... Lions would have beat Kansas City last night. Okay, it's just it's just my my feeling. But with that being said, you look at these two teams last night. What is, what are the in your mind? What do the Lions need to do to get to that level to that point? Well, I think it's easy, and it's on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you, you need to bring in a higher caliber of corner. Uh, you know, our pass defense was. Uh, pretty low on the list in the entire league and you could use another edge rusher i think as good as aiden hutchinson is and he is going to be good i think for years to come yeah uh you got to have a little bit of help up there uh because if you're able to come through with a consistent pass rush all that's going to do is help your secondary out Mm -hmm. we know that um but um i think aaron glenn uh dan campbell and uh brad holmes during this offseason uh have got to find a way to to shore up that secondary yeah, I I think it was a conversation with you guys on the Mitch Album show with uh, Alex Anzalone, um, and he talked about, or, or maybe it was in his piece, I don't remember, but he talked about what Dan Campbell said to them about watching the Super Bowl and something to the effect of, you know, lock yourself in a dark room, watch that game, and get ready because that's where we're going. And it's like, I you know, I don't always believe in momentum from season to season. I think players tell you that too. But, boy, you look at, you know, last off season, you know, where, where the Lions beat the Packers in Green Bay to keep them out of the playoffs. 
They 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 were hot all year this year. It felt like a little bit of a, a carryover. Um, I'm just hoping that they're going to be able to carry something over from this team. Well, and I think that was Campbell's directive uh, yeah. because Anzalone, uh, in that Players' Tribune piece, okay. did make mention of the fact that he just didn't want to be a buffoon being at a Super Bowl party knowing fully well that the Lions should be there. But, right. you know, Dan Campbell uh, said, look, you watch that game and you use that as motivation. Yeah to get to where we are going to be. So, um, you know, and look, I was out yesterday for research purposes only sure. at a tavern. I appreciate I hope you're that. sitting down. Yep. Um, and there was a lot of folks that came up and said, look, I really wasn't going to watch because I, I'm still really bummed out about what happened to the Lions. Um, but it is football. And now you blink and another uh, National Football League season has come and gone. So uh, it was entertaining, like we were discussing, Chris, uh, in particular, the fourth quarter and overtime. Yeah. Well, uh, thankfully for us, uh, so uh, Lions didn't make it to the Super Bowl, but we look forward to the draft in town, oh, which dear. is going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. The layout that they've got down at Campus Martius and the Hart Plaza, dude, it's going to be spectacular. I'm going to bring back a term that I don't think has been said in a while. Oh, please. Uh, it is going to be off the hook. Off the <laughs> it's going to be off the chain. Oh, there you go. You trumped me for crying out loud. Look, that's a couple good ones. All right, we'll take we'll take a couple of doubles on that. I will go, I will mention this. Uh, you can remember this as his uh, as uh, trivia. Attendance uh, for the tilt yesterday, 61,629 at the relatively compact Allegiant mm. Stadium. That is the smallest crowd in Super Bowl history, wow. except for the pandemic game in Tampa three years ago. Interesting. So use that for whatever reason you think. Steven, thank you, my friend. We'll talk tomorrow. Chris, looking forward to it, my friend. Enjoy right. the rest of the day. You do the same, Steve Courtney. By the way, Danielle, did you see who was in the suite? Donna Kelsey was in the suite. She wasn't sitting amongst the un- unclean in the in the stadium. Heck yeah. Yeah, you see that? I, I, how did I th- not think that was going to happen? All right. That's it for us. We'll see you tomorrow. Mitch Job and the crew coming up next. Have a good one.